0: word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Natalie. Uh, I've been on this like student school kick and I remember in high school a teacher says, hey, be careful. There's going to be an exam coming up. We want you to be ready. Uh, and then the one week passes by, no exam. Two weeks pass by, no exam. Some students at this point say, oh, maybe she's not giving an exam so I don't have to prepare. Otherwise kids are like, oh, it's coming all the more so we need to be ready. And it'd be foolish to think that just because the teacher delayed in providing an exam, we would think there is no exam. The wise will prepare and say, if it hasn't come, it's coming soon. And sure enough, maybe in the third or fourth week, the exam comes. You know, I think that's human nature. When we are expecting something and it doesn't happen, we start doubting. And I think the word that Peter is trying to say to the church is, do not be discouraged. God is going to keep his promises. Jesus is returning. And there are these people called the scoffers. These scoffers, and who are these scoffers? Peter says, knowing this, first of all, scoffers will come in the last day following their own sinful desires. Have you heard of the word Christendom? Christendom is just a sociological word that in America, 1940s, 50s, and 60s, the central hub of society was the church. Everybody went to church. If you don't go to church, you're really weird and really rebellious. Well, that Christendom, that cultural Christianity is no longer here. So if you go play sports or golf on Sundays, like in the 50s, people would say, oh, you heathen, you know, you're, you're terrible. Now... If you say to people at work, "Hey, what are you doing Sunday?" and you say, "I'm going to go to church," you actually may start getting a look. "Oh, you're going to you're one of those. You you go to church." Like these days Christianity is now considered weird if you go to church. Like so just turn to someone and say, "You're kind of weird." That's who we are. That's 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 what the society thinks we are. So scoffers are rising up where they say things like How can you believe that a guy built a boat and put all these animals in? How how can you believe that when there's dinosaurs and there's science that says earth is like 6 billion years old, that you believe in 6,000, and there's always scoffing. How can you believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again? And so there will be scoffers. And today, if you speak with people, there's a lot of doubt infused. And I want to encourage you. When we hear that, you may start doubting do I believe in the correct thing? And what Peter is saying is if you believe that Jesus came and died and rose again, if this Christmas was true, then this second coming will be also true. So he says scoffers are these people, they do not hold to the promises of God why i love peter's insight it's not because they're being logical people scoff at christianity because ultimately they don't want to be answered to a god isn't it great when you are your own authority Uh, young people uh, be careful what you ask for when you say i can't wait to move out and be my own boss of the house Be careful what you ask for because there are things called bills, responsibilities, bathrooms being cleaned. Be careful, it's it's not, the grass is greener. And looking back, I told my wife, my goodness, the days that I was living under my parents' roof were one of the best days. They were true and so wise. You know, they weren't trying to suffocate me, they were trying to prepare me. And so, We have this human nature and sinfulness. We want to be our own boss. And if there's a God, then we have to listen to God's word. We have to live in a way where it may change my choices and behavior. And so scoffers, Peter says, they do it because of their own sinful desires. They're not being logical. They're not being scientific. They're just being selfish. And so since the beginning of Christianity and now, isn't it encouraging? There, has, oh, there have always been scoffers. Some of you may have those family members and say, oh, there's Joey, the religious nut, the guy who goes to church. Stand firm and proud. Be kind and gracious. And be patient in prayer that you could have a conversation with them. So, they're scoffing. What are they scoffing about? Verse 4, it says this. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? And this is only like within 20 30 years of jesus ascension they're already saying you guys believe that a man will come down on a cloud where is this second coming and then they say forever since the fathers fell asleep all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation in other words life is going on as usual i don't see a man coming down from the clouds in bible study someone asked a really great question um when jesus comes down on the cloud Earth is global, how do we all see him? Is that right? logical question? Is he coming down in Los Angeles? How about the people in the Philippines and Korea? Are they going to not see him? And so what well, we concluded, not me, just from the Bible studies wisdom, guidance of the Holy Spirit, that some way or the other the whole world will see Jesus coming. And so these scoffers are saying he's not coming. You believe in this hokey thing. What's happening here? And so the challenge for us is, wait a minute, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus rose again. And he hasn't been coming. And so we could do a couple of things. One is, maybe this is made up. Or two, man, we're that much closer to Jesus coming back. Um, Pastor Luke, uh, Luke Holmes writes this. He writes a true story about a woman who waited for a promise. Her name is Clara Gantt. She was the wife of uh, Joseph Gant, who fought in the Korean War. Uh, so as a U.S. Army first-class sergeant, Joseph was captured in Korea and thought to be killed in action in 1950, but his body was never found, and his death was never confirmed by the North Koreans. His wife, Clara, waited for decades for her husband to come back, She regularly went to meetings with government officials seeking information about what happened. Clara even bought a house and had it professionally landscaped, so all Joseph had to do when he returned was to go fishing in the backyard. She was 94 years old when his remains were finally brought home for a military funeral with full honors. It wasn't the homecoming she dreamed of, but she finally knew his fate. Clara told a reporter who interviewed her, quote, he told me if anything happened to him, he wanted me to remarry. And I told him, no, no. Here I am, still his wife, and I'm going to remain his wife until the day the Lord calls me home, end quote. She continued to love him till the end, even though it was decades in the making. So this pastor, Luke Holmes, gives a very insightful statement and his take is this as believers we are the bride of christ waiting for christ's return he doesn't expect us to build a home but has called us to be faithful and patiently wait until he takes us home while mrs clara gant's long wait ended with sorrow and disappointment the patience of the believers will be rewarded with eternal jubilation Hebrews actually talks about that. There are some who fell and they never saw this glorious return. And so what do we do? This is a wise word for us. Jesus may come today. He may come this year. He may come in the next coming years. Regardless of when he comes, wait faithfully, patiently until he takes us home. So perhaps you've wondered about Jesus' return. And for us, what do we do? The season of Advent says, oh, the Lord is coming. Let us prepare. He has come. And if Jesus came at Christmas and he died and rose again, as he said he would, why would he not hold on to the final promise when he says, take heart, I will return. And so Peter echoes his words of Mark 13 from last week's test that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And these celestial bodies like the sun, moon, and stars would be burned up. And this is kind of scary. All of your works, all your life, everything you do and I do will be scrutinized in judgment by God. Not for salvation. It's not by works we're saved. But it is only Christ who saves us and the grace we receive from him. But your works and my works will be assessed by God. How did you live this life? Be ready. Are you prepared? Peter gives uh, three rebuttals, by the way, uh, to the scoffers. He says, first, the world is not as it always was because God created the world. And remember, he destroyed it in a flood. He intervened. Second, God is not slow. He didn't forget. Remember, one day to us is like a 1,000 years to God. And 1,000 years to us is like one day to God. Um, Have you ever thought about this? Who created time? Who created time? Time didn't exist at one point. God created time. In order to create time, you have to be outside of time. There's only one being who can create time and be outside of time and not be affected. We would call that person God. And what God does is he creates a beginning and the end for the world, but this being is eternal and it makes our brains itch but god is outside of time so the way you and i see time will never be the same as the way god sees time and a freaky way is god sees the past present and future all at the same time is that mind-blowing this is why god is omniscient and so it opens up many other questions but this he would not be god if he was subject to time so in bible study we talked about this how what's the depiction of god you see in cartoons he is a young person how does god always look in cartoons tom and jerry you know simpsons you go to god he's this old hairy man god i don't think looks old he's spirit i think god is this entity that is outside of time so we get frustrated every time my hairline recedes another centimeter I'm like, oh, time. But God doesn't get affected by time. And so, what Peter's saying here is listen, the way you measure time and you say God is late is so different. God's timing is perfect. So, those of you waiting, you have to look from God's perspective. Say, God, I trust your time and your season. Third, his last rebuttal is this God's not late, He's doing this on purpose. Why? He desires as many people to repent he wants to be merciful if god were to come today can you imagine all the people who have not come to christ all the people who are still waiting all the neighbors they would have missed this opportunity for eternal life with god and so what is god calling us to do proclaim this good news of christ i am taking my time so you do the work and I want all to be gathered. And what a heart of God. He does not delight in sending people to eternal damnation. That's not his, that's why he gives us his only son. And so this is Peter's echo. Scoffers, you could keep on scoffing. The truth is, our God is good. Our God is eternal. Our God has intervened. Christ is coming week it hit me hard in the season of advent i hope you're doing the devotionals the devotionals are so good those uh christianity today devotionals have been really a blessing and this whole waiting and waiting for christ's return and celebrating that christ has come i realize you are only sitting here today just let's check this out you and i are only here today because two thousand years ago god came to us emmanuel as a baby boy that is the only reason you and I are able to be here today. God came to us in that first Advent. And that just kind of just mesmerized me a bit. How good is God that pagans like us became known as sons and daughters because this baby will grow up to die, to rise again, and to bring his people to God. So question for you, how many of you love waiting all right, I'm sorry, I should ask it better. How many of you delight and find joy in waiting? I was When you're driving in California, if you're logical, it's kind of interesting, right? Um, because if someone cuts you off, you're waiting in line. You're supposed to zipper merge. Who knows zipper merge? Please say at least half the church knows zipper merge. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Zipper merge. And then someone doesn't follow the rule. You know, cars alternate and some car cuts in front. You know, what really bothers us? You just added four seconds to my life, to my waiting. I'm really angry. That could make us mad. The other part is we feel our pride is hurt. But we would like to see that no one adds waiting to our time. We don't like waiting. Uh, in Sunday mornings, we freak out when the internet goes down because we have to get everything geared up. Well, I want to I tell you bad news. Uh, I, I checked three sources on this. Studies show average person throughout their lifetime will spend, guess how many years waiting in line? 10? 50? That's a lot. (laughs) Average person will spend five years of their life waiting in lines or waiting for something. Five years. Now, this is the fun part. Six months of that is going to be at a red light. Six months, and and some of our kids men—that's like one third of their life. So they've been—we'll be waiting, waiting. So waiting is built in. So here's what Peter is saying: Wait well. How should we live? What sort of person should we be if we're waiting for Christ? And he gives us the answer: What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Holiness. In a simple Sunday school definition is set apart for God. That's it. Holiness means I am set apart for God. Godliness means I am becoming like Christ. So how do you wait? Live in a way that you are set apart for I am the Lord's. I am not my own. You belong to Christ the King. You do not belong to your own. Your children do not belong to you. They belong to Christ. Godliness means we want to become like Christ. And so he says, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent, verse 14, to be found by him without spot or blemish. And what an interesting phrase he says here is be spotless and blameless. And I already sinned like a couple of times this morning. So I have to come here and pray before we worship. So what does he mean by that? Well, James has this interesting verse. Can we read it together? Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So James interprets pure and spotless as this. It's how you live in love, modeling Christ for others that are around you. The Bible goes further. It says in Proverbs 31, 89, How should we live? You should defend those who cannot help themselves. It's interesting that the Bible describes sinlessness as two ways. One is washed by Christ and the way we live for the others. You know, a lot of times we think religion is, as long as I have a ticket to heaven, God's not angry with me. I don't have any sin. I'm good. But Bible pushes us further. God says no. Spotless means who are you living for? Who are you here to bless? And he guides us towards widows and orphans, the two groups that have no chance in the world in Palestine 2,000 years ago without help. And so religion and all this coming together tells us one way we wait actively for the Lord is we don't make life about ourselves. We have the blessing of grace of God's favor. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve to be forgiven. And yet Christ gives it to us. So as a response to that, we live spotless, blameless, holy, godly life played out in the way we live for others. Now I want to kind of segue this because I was wondering why am I so ex- like excited about angel tree. Angel tree makes me realize this is a glimpse of the way the church is supposed to live excited to bless people, excited to give presents. This is why right now, Ms. Karina, you know what she's doing at this moment? She's having the kids look at the gifts that we brought in so they could rejoice and pray over them so that other kids, as they receive these presents, will be delighted. We are teaching and we are walking in a way where life is so much more fun when we make it about God and others than just ourselves. This is what spotless blame. So I want to show you this. This is a video um, of a testimony of an angel tree family, and uh, I hope it runs well.
1: I'm incarcerated for nine to eighteen years for possession with intent to deliver. The hardest thing right now for me is is my wife is is out there raising these babies by herself.
2: You could look at me now or look at my family now and think that we have it all together. Uh, But there was a very real time that we were a mess. My husband um, was selling drugs. Um, I had a very uh, strong addiction to uh, prescription pills. And we were on the verge of divorce. My kids were, we were kind of stringing them along. And so the next step that we could have made could have landed us behind bars and we could have also lost our children. So the fact that it could have been me just changes my viewpoint. We have such a stigma of people who are incarcerated. But prison fellowship through Angel Tree is helping to change that perspective. There are real people with real hearts that have real families and children.
1: I was struggling with meth addiction out in the real world, and it it got the best of me. I made a lot of bad choices, which led me to coming here. That past life I was living was controlled by my addiction, everything was about my addiction. Now sober, looking back and seeing everybody that's truly af- affected by the choices I made is just making me wanna be that new person, be that man, be that father, be that husband. But they say in, 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 in NA, one addict helps another. In my life, that's my wife, <laughs> she's my rock. She, she's, she's walking the walk and she needs help, you know, And and the hardest part for me is not being able to help her. My my, my my baby boy, I've missed this will be a second Christmas that that I've missed.
3: The last fourteen months of my husband being incarcerated has been very hard on me, very hard on my children. I think he could really be good in our lives. I mean, you know, we're we're struggling here. I worry about my husband uh, reoffending doing the same thing he's done because addiction is one really hard battle it is hard and I have days where I'm just tired and I don't want to go on but like I know I don't have that choice I have to make sure the kids have everything they need he was doing really well and then he had one bad day he lost his money and he was just done that's what I'm scared of I'm scared of that because you can't do that and I've taught myself and given myself the strength not to quit And I have to do that every single morning when I wake up. And even in the middle of the day, I have to say, God, please help me. Every Angel Tree
2: ornament represents an actual child, an actual face, an actual name. And it's connected to an actual parent that is in prison. So Angel Tree is a program through Prison Fellowship um, and it's for incarcerated parents to get gifts for their kids. We pick them up as a church and put ornaments out and we get to choose um, the ornament and buy the gift for the child. And it's literally from the incarcerated parent. So it's a way for the incarcerated parent to get a gift for their child. So there's a connection between parent and child on the outside. So buying gifts, it does add to our budget. Um, at the end of the day, though, it's it's something that's so worth it. I just can't help but do it. We just want to make the kids smile. So, so even if you get one ornament which represents one child and get one gift, that's just huge in some ways.
1: I heard of Angel Tree on a previous number. Uh, I signed up for it and, and, and they took my kids' gifts. Uh, and I came here and I seen the application, I filled it out and our kids are able to feel the love from us from in here.
2: Hello.
1: Hi.
3: How are you? Good, how are you? I'm Bree. Hi, Bree. Nice I'm Abby. Awesome, Hello. you wanna Hello. open a present? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so Angel Tree is a blessing to our family. This is the third time we've had it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Jace will go next. My family feels very grateful for this. You know, uh, we can't have Jason here this holiday, and it's it's it is it's awesome. It's like he gave us gifts, and the kids I know they felt touched when the lady said these are from your dad. You know, so yeah. It's definitely a godsend, you know, to a single mother with really no help. Angel thank Tree you. helped that happen. They helped us to have something from Jason and that was awesome and I love that. Is it okay if I pray with you guys? Before of we course, we'd love that. Come on Cade, let's hold hands and pray.
2: Lord, I just thank you for this time. Lord, um, I, I pray immense protection over them and immense blessings, Lord, um, as times get hard and maybe financially they don't know what they're going to do next, Lord, that you would just um, provide for them and they would just learn to trust you in ways that they never thought were possible. But I pray for Jason and Abby, Lord God, that you would protect their marriage, um, you'd protect um, them individually, um, their relationship with you would um, deepen in, in a way that they would be such an example, Lord God, um, of what... Um,
3: redemption and restoration is in Jesus name we pray amen thank you so much for coming this has been great and a blessing thanks for the prayer yeah you too honey thank you so much yeah it's been great thank you angel tree yeah it's like having an angel it is it is
1: to my wife, made a little card for me, it says we love you, this is the first time I got to see it actually, it says, thank you for the gifts, Merry Christmas Ava, thank you for the gifts even when you aren't physically here, we can't wait to have you here. You love your family a lot? I love my family a lot, yeah. man. you guys know that, that that's what I'm uh, circling my whole recovery around, my whole, everything I'm doing here so I can get home and be a good father and husband in my my family. It makes me feel good. I feel loved, even though I'm in this place. You know, being uh, being being away from this makes being able to do things with my family as a family makes me feel whole. <laughs> I will. It touched me, man. This whole program touched me. And the Bible says, For "The spirit of the Lord is his freedom," and I feel that. I was in a worse prison than I am now. Uh, I was in a prison of my own addiction, a prison of my own uh, self desires, my own, all that. And being sober and being in here and having the Lord back in my life, it's like, like, like all that's lifted off me, you know? Uh, you can be free in here. If you can't change in here, you're never gonna make it on the street.
3: So I think the future holds for us just great opportunities. You know, lots of growth, lots of change, lots of faith. I tell my husband, you know, it's going to be trying and we're going to have to fight, fight, fight. But like it's worth it. You have to give it time to work. You have to give, you know, give us all time to work. And, and he's doing great. He is, He's ready. I just feel it in my heart that he's ready. And we pray and we work together. And I really keep praying that it's going to be the same out here.
0: We have 14 families that we could bless this Christmas season and we get to intervene on behalf of the incarcerated mom or dad so that the kids know dad got me this present, that it didn't come from church, didn't come from Santa Claus, it came from their father, their mother so that they could celebrate. And so we have this privilege of being intermediaries so that we could make this happen, that the kids would know during this Christmas, God loves them, their mom and dad loves them and that all of us are fallen creatures, and all of us, our only hope is in Jesus Christ. And so this is why we're doing it, and if you look at the way that Peter says, how should we live, how ought we live in light of this truth, it is to wait well, and by waiting well, we live in a way that blesses others until Christ returns. We'll have two gospel messages and youth group kids are getting involved and so many of you have signed up over 30 of you signed up and so next sunday what we want to do is just for two hours we want to be christ's hands and feet mouthpieces just blessing and encouraging these families and that the children would get this glimpse Uh, henry nowen has this wonderful quote he says the beginning and the end of all christian leadership is to give your life for others i would take the word leadership and say either we are all leaders or I would say the beginning and the end of all Christian, period, comma, is to give your life for others. And we get a chance to do that. For Paul, in First Thessalonians, for Peter, in 2 Peter, and for Christ, this is what waiting well looks like. That we get to serve as his hands and feet. So friends, who can we bless? And before Angel Tree next week, I have a challenge for you. This is a time where people are looking. Is God real? Does my life matter? And I just, God put this on my heart this week. I'd like to ask each of you for seven days, look for an opportunity that you can be an, be a blessing invisibly or visibly to someone at grocery store or food. Or you could pay for the Starbucks drinks for the person behind you that bought like 80 lattes. Whatever it is, just un- unconditionally. How can you love and bless somebody this next seven days? Maybe it's a letter to a person that you haven't reached out to in a while. Maybe it's to take someone out who's been struggling with loneliness. And so how do we live into this waiting for Christ? We live well, expecting his return, loving the people unconditionally, costly. And we do it for the glory of God. Let's pray together. God, we just want to thank you for being a God who restores, who redeems families through the gospel of Christ, that families can be renewed, restored, that children can see a glimpse of the real God who loves them, that for adults who have made choices and decisions that have created an impact, that there is hope, that there is mercy, that there is of full glory that they can enter into in the good news of christ lord i thank you for our church that stepped up to be servants of angel tree ministry this christmas and as we bless these 14 families and households or caregivers and the, as well as the children we pray lord that you would do some miracle through through us that you would do miracles for these families that they would draw close to you we pray that this would not end with christmas but that 12 months, a year, every day that we live anticipating, waiting for your return by being givers and doers, living out your word, and trusting that your timing is perfect and that you will return. May we be faithful and diligent. May we be ready for your return, doing what you have called us to do by living holy and godly lives that reflect our Savior. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.